Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. We are in week three of a series we're calling the series, we've named the series, Who Cares?, And we're exploring together the subject of compassion, and particularly the compassion of God that is revealed to us in Jesus. And I always think about this. We use the season of Lent, this 40-day period prior to Easter, not including Sundays, I say that every time, uh, as a way to prepare our hearts for Easter. Uh, In my own life, in my own journey, in my own spiritual growth over the years, not really as a pastor, just as a fellow disciple, just like you, I I began to tap several years ago into this idea that if I I do some work and grow and learn more about Jesus during the season of Lent, uh, Easter is all that much more powerful and all that more rich to me. And so I've commended over the last several years that as a value for our growing congregation. And so... Um, that's what we're doing. Many of y'all were involved uh, in the Matthew 25 challenge uh, this past week. We did it on spring break week. So some of you on spring break have already told me you were eating beans and rice and sleeping on the floor. Way to go to do that for spring break. And what we're trying to do is create immersive experiences for us to learn about the compassion of God revealed to us in Jesus. And uh, we have chosen as a theme verse uh, a little observation Paul makes in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, I think we'll put it on the screen. We're going to read this out loud together. Let's read it as a church family. Ready? Go. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And uh, this is kind of what we're learning. And, and Paul really taps onto, I think, a very vital understanding about this God that we've just worshiped this morning. He says four things. I could preach around these, but uh, I've got some other things I want to say. But he says this, that God is the father of compassion. I want you to notice that because really what he's saying is that he's the creator of compassion. So, so compassion comes from God. And it's sort of interesting. I'm a lover of history. Any other history buffs in the room? And as a lover of history, here's what I've learned. Uh, I have learned that if you study the value, the ethic of compassion in history, when you do this, you will notice the Christian way is strongly intertwined and connected to it. This is our legacy. Our legacy is the compassion of Jesus as his people. Someone say amen to that. Praise God. And then you'll notice Paul says this. Not only is God the father of compassion, he's the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. This is a radically different idea uh, than what you see and hear uh, about today. And in many ways, I kind of think this should sort of bother us a little because um, sometimes it's the church and the people who are part of the church that, that are not very comforting to other people. And as a result of that, people get confused about that. That's not universally true, but, but there is a sense in that. We see that sometimes in our culture today. And then Paul goes on one more. He said he comforts us in all of our troubles. I want you to notice, he doesn't say not some of them, 
Not a few, maybe this one, I'll take a pass on that. No, he said, I will comfort, Paul says, God will comfort us in all of our troubles. You are not gonna take a trouble, a difficulty, a brokenness, a challenge, a circumstance, a pain, and go to God and he'll go, I've never seen that before. Let me get back to you. He's not gonna do that. He, He comforts us in all of our troubles. And here's the thing we're pointing at in this season. He comforts us so that we can comfort others. So that we can comfort others. To know this and to embrace this is to, is to be connected to what I call the reciprocal nature of the kingdom of God. It just keeps turning in and around. Uh, I'm a native Floridian. How many native Floridians in the room? Let me see my people. All right. And uh, so for me, I love water. I love anything water. And um, a few years ago, I got a paddleboard, and I just paddleboard all over the place. And I have the best wife in the world. You already know that. She married me, so <laughs> praise God. And, uh, and, and she, will, she, is, she, she loves that I do this because it brings me such joy. And, and I'll get up sometimes on my day off, and she'll go, weather's nice, you should go. Isn't that nice? I mean, isn't that nice? Why are y'all laughing right now? I, I want to say recently she started to do that so often, I'm starting to feel a little insecure. You should go. Maybe I should stay. What's going on? And uh, anyhow, but I was uh, up in the Jupiter Inlet a few weeks ago. Look at that. I mean, come on, right? And uh, my wife, so I got this paddleboard. She, she gave me for my birthday. She gave me a speaker. I can connect, it's like waterproof, I can connect my phone to it, and I'm paddling along, and I'm, I'm listening to music, I love country music, I'm listening to, to uh, Tim McGraw, how many of y'all know Tim McGraw, right, let me show you, there's Tim, the reason I like him, we have very similar body composition, he kind of almost look like people mistake me for him all the time, anyhow, and then there's, there's this song he sings, have you heard the song, Be Humble and Kind? Yeah, and there's a line in the song, when you get to where you're going, turn around and help the other person in line. Hey, that's the nature of the kingdom of God. Uh, That you and I would would live a kind of posture, that we would live a kind of life that, uh, you know, after we have received compassion. What's, What's more compassionate? Tell me a better example of compassion that God would send his son to die for you and me so we don't have to. Lost becomes found. What's any better than that? And then God says, once once you've received that, we have an opportunity to help other people find their way. I don't know about you, I give my whole life to that ideal. That's so awesome. And so this is kind of what we're studying. This is what we're... Uh, learning right now as a church family. And some of us, this is what I love, some of us are here, we're learning it for the first time. We're learning about this God of compassion, this God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, that we can learn to comfort others. We're learning about this for the first time. I want to challenge you, if that's new for you, just run right at it. You will not be disappointed. If you're here today, and, or you're listening in and you're relearning, just aim, aim for that. 
if you would really say in your heart, well, there's some things, I, I don't know, I feel about God, I don't know, it doesn't look like that, doesn't feel like that, that hasn't been my experience. Maybe this, just suspend those ideas, hold those out in faith, that there's still some stuff you've yet to learn about this God. And that you can learn. This is part of what we're doing every week. And I take so seriously, I take so seriously the opportunity when I stand before you on a weekend that I get to encourage and deepen the faith of people who are walking with Christ. And then I get to help people who don't yet walk with Christ learn to know who he is. Those are the tensions we want to balance in this room. And this is a hot thing right now uh, in our culture. We are living as what uh, some people are writing. We, live, we are living in the age which will be defined as the age of deconstruction. And many of us uh, point to people, there are things going right now on in our culture where stuff is shifting and moving and changing, and some of it needs to shift and move and change. And some of us are nervous about that. I want to tell you this morning from your pastor, I'm not nervous about that. Because here's what I think around this. Sometimes when all of the fake stuff is moved to the side, we can get to the business of the real thing. And sometimes right now I think, you know, this is true. And I, I, I talk to people who will say this to me sometimes. Well, I have a friend or I have a loved one or I'm asking for a friend. We're, I'm building a series right now about that. And, um, and, and, and the idea that they'll, they'll say, I'm deconstructing my faith. And then they tell me, I, I always go, oh, I'm fascinated by that. Tell me about your faith. And when they tell me about their faith, I go, I deconstruct from that too. And, and a lot of times, let, let me just say, this is what's true to happen in me, and maybe, maybe this is true of you. You know, when your circumstance start to outpace your faith, it's time for your faith to grow. And some people are dismissing what they think is the Christian faith because their circumstances are outpacing it, and their faith is just not kept up. I'm reading a fascinating book right now by Christian author Philip Yancey. It's it's a book entitled, Where the Light Fell. And Philip Yancey, uh, who's been a Christian author for many years, um, he, this is kind of a memoir. It's a sad book. It's a difficult book. I've cried twice. I'm a third of the way in. And, and, and he writes about growing up in this extremely fundamental, uh, mean-spirited, judgmental, racist Christian experience. And he just threw that out. And then across the next 20 years, he got to know the real Jesus. And there's a lot of that out there. You might be here today. But I want to tell you what I've come to understand. This God you just sang to. He is the father of compassion. He's the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can learn to comfort others. And I want to tell everyone in the room, everybody listening, aim for that. You will not be disappointed. But what I want to focus on today is what I want to call... um, the next click in this, which is, so God gives us compassion and 
we manifest this to other people, this reciprocal nature of the kingdom of God. And I want to, I want to take you to a parable that is probably, it may be the most remembered, the most popular parable uh, that Jesus ever told, only appears in one gospel, only, only appears in Luke. But it may be the single most remembered parable. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I, I brought my chair And I thought I'd read it from my chair. So you all just relax. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, what is written in the law? Jesus replied, how, how do you read it? And he answered, this expert answered, he said, well, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, this expert. So he asked Jesus, Who's my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, well, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers, and they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, and they left him there half dead. And then a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And then a Levite, when he came to the place and he saw him, he passed him also on the other side of the road. But a Samaritan, a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and he took care of him there. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. And he said, hey, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now then, Jesus said, which of these three men do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, Well, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do. So as I've mentioned, this is is one of the the most popular and well-remembered stories that Jesus ever tells. Only appears in one gospel. Uh, Luke, as we're learning, is a Gentile, uh, and he writes to a Gentile audience. Here's the way we would say it in this culture. He wrote to people who are not yet Christians to point toward Christ. That's what, that's what he was doing. And he tells this story, and it's a fascinating uh, story. And... Um, 
He's driving at an important point for you and I to understand. It's the one thing I think we need to know about really how we interconnect with the world in a way that allows us to participate in the reciprocal nature of the kingdom of God. And that's what I'm aiming at. The reciprocal nature of the kingdom of God. And uh, I was thinking of something recently. Um, you ever done this? You ever think about different things you have in your house? And I, I don't know, this was through the pandemic. I, I had this idea because so many of us were, were doing this in the pandemic. Right? Does this look like a posture that you have in your home? You know, click, click, click. And one day I was watching, you know, this crisis, that crisis, that crisis. And it just dawned on me that there's, this is dangerous. I started thinking about what, you know, what, what do I have in my house that's dangerous? Uh, a couple years ago, Brandon and Haley for Christmas, uh, my, my kids and their husbands, they're foodies. Anybody know what foodies are? And uh, they gave us a set of new kitchen knives for Christmas. And the knives, I think, that were in our kitchen, that are still in our kitchen, are knives Beth and I have collected over 30, 35 years. And uh, they can't cut paper. <laughs> you got to apply the same. Any of you have those knives in your house? They have to apply the same force. I don't know where we got them. They were. Remember when they used to give knives away at the gas station? <laughs> Anybody remember that? Like it was like that was. I remember my parents did that. Now they give you Rolex watches for the nine dollars you're paying for a gallon of gas. But <laughs> side point. But anyhow, they gave us and 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 he. They gave us these knives and they cut like butter. And you know how I know that? Because I was cutting a lime and cut the end of my finger off <laughs> like butter. I had to call my friend Julie Klassen, who's a nurse. I said, get over here. I'm dying. And it's a fascinating thing. I don't know if you ever notice if you cut yourself in a certain way when your heart beats the... Any, are you focused yet on that? So it's kind of fascinating. And I'm... I'm, I'm dripping with blood and Beth is freaking out. I, I, I am not afraid of pain and I don't, I don't mind blood unless it's pain or blood connected to my wife. And a few years ago, um, she, had, she had to go to the, the knee doctor and she had to have a shot in her knee. And I said, oh, I'm not doing anything. I'll go with you, babe. And I, I went over there and, and I went in to help her. I said, let me go in and help you. This is going to hurt. and help you. And uh, the last thing I remember... I kid you not. This guy unsheathed this long thing. He's going to stick it into my wife's knee. And then I, I woke up on the floor covered in sweat with some nurse in my face. Literally, I'm going, who are you and where am I at? I went back two weeks later to go with her again. They did not let me in. <laughs> Pastor Dale, you're staying outside. You're not even coming in here. And uh, can I just tell you, 
I think this is the most dangerous thing in the house. It's this. Because we just do this. You know, like the world's on fire. And we're just clicking our way through it. And, and Jesus is driving one point that I want every single person to do some business with this morning. Here's the point. Here's the whole sermon. Genuine compassion is an action, not a feeling. You and I are living in an age, in a day, when we have extraordinary opportunities to visit, to see, to be immersed with the difficulties and the brokennesses and the pains of our world. And if we're not careful, can I tell you what happens? We just get numb to it. We just get numb to it. And, and, and this is what this story is about. I mean, Jesus is telling a story and, and he's just answering the simple question, like, who's my neighbor? I mean, who actually is my neighbor? Many of us today, we don't even know who our neighbors are. I mean, who, who's, who's our neighbor? And so Jesus looks past the question, which let me just say this real quickly, y'all. It was a test question. Did you notice that? It wasn't even a real question. You ever, you ever have somebody ask you something and you could tell something behind that? Right? Hey, what are you doing? Where are you? You know, as a pastor, as part of a, it's an occupational hazard. I get test questions all the time. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I just know the way I answer is, man, that's got, that's got some stuff to it. And they asked Jesus a test question, and, and he goes right at it. And, and I noticed that what, what's interesting is that he, um, he really points out, I think, there's some interesting things going on here. I was reading one time that if you go from Matthew to John, you read all of the Gospels, uh, Jesus was asked 183 questions. He only directly answered three. Every other time, he did what he does here. Let me just tell a story. So he tells a story, and, and he points out, I, I think, uh, in answer to this question, he, he, he points out some responses to the question, who's my neighbor? I want you to notice, uh, and let me share them with you, because I want you to see them. I want you to notice, I think the first one, it happens in verse 30, uh, there's an ethic, there's a group of people for which they would say, no one's my neighbor. And their ethic is this. You see it every day. Hey, what's yours is mine. And I'm going to take it. We have, we have that going on in our world, right? I don't, I don't know Vladimir Putin. It sure looks like that's what's going on. And uh, you'll notice it happens in verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he's attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him, and he went away. They went away, leaving him half, half dead. There it is. No one's my neighbor. 
what's yours is mine, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it. I had a friend of mine who's a pastor call me this week, and he had a person in his church that answered a simple phone call, simple phone call, uh, elderly woman. And then before the phone call was over, the guy on the other end of the line had taken $12,000 from her. This is a thing. I, I'd like to say, because I'm a human, human being, there's a particular place in the other world, I think, for people who do that. And, uh, but I, I've, I've thought about this for a little bit. Um, there, yes, there are robbers, um, but I would like to say many of us live like this in spirit, right? Uh, it's their needs, their wants, their desires. They're in the first position, and no one or no thing is going to ever upend that. And it's a horribly restrictive, shallow way to live. And it's not the way we've been created to live. And some people just, that's, that's the embodiment of their life's ethic. It's horrible. And here's what I think. Most of us don't live there. Some do. Some do. But that's not the struggle, I would say, for many of us in this room. It's actually the next level up. I want to tell you the next level up. The next level up, it happens in verse 31 and 32. And this category, I think, lives by this idea. I'm my own neighbor. Do you, do you see it? And the ethic of this group is, goes something like this. Hey, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. It starts to look like this. Well, that's bad. I'm not him. Stinks to be her. That's awful. Glad that's not me. And that's a challenge. And when you come through a two years like we've come through, and when you've been doing a lot of this, and when you see a lot of the chaos that's actually unfolding in our world because stuff is shifting and changing around, it's easy to develop what people who write about this say is at epic levels in our culture right now. You've heard it. Compassion fatigue. Can't handle it anymore. Got to tune out. And I find it interesting. I don't want to miss this. In verse 31 and 32, it says this. Uh, a priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Let me just say a word about that real quickly. Those are professionally religious people. Those are religious people. The first one, professionally religious for sure. He's the one who did the services in the temple. That'd be me. And so whenever I read a story like this, I think, ooh, careful. And many of you all know if you've been around the church a long time, one of the stories I love to tell, I'll tell it for anybody who may be new, is my very first day at seminary. Some of you remember this. And I go to seminary, and I go to my first class, been called the full-time Christian service, and I'm there. And this venerated professor walks in and puts his books down on, his on the podium, and he says, if you have believed God has called you to full-time Christian service, I want you to raise your hand. And I thought, ooh, it's kind of like a moment. It's like a vow we're going to take. And I raised my hand. It's me. And looking around, some guys that raise their hands, girls over there raise their hands. And we're all, and, and this is what he said next. He goes, if you get your hand raised right now, you, I want you to know you've increased the likelihood of by 50% that when you die, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> I put my hand down. I was like trying to get out of the class. And here's what he went on to say. You, you've said yes to touching sacred things all your life. 
You better figure out a way to touch sacred things and not lose your heart in the process. Right? I remember in the early days of my ministry, I, I, was, I would go to a funeral. There was a funeral director I'd always connect with. He'd been around death and funerals his whole life. And he was callous about it. I can remember getting in the car going, oh, I don't ever want to, this is not a day at the office. I mean, people are, these are, this is awful. And then there's a Levite, says. He passes by the other side. You know what a Levite is? It's the people who, who help assist the priest. That'd be many of us. And he's saying, you know, we're, we're the ones who walk on the other side of the street. Hey, what's mine's mine. I'm going to keep it. I, I remember a story when I was in my first position of ministry, and I went to this little town. We are in this precious little town, wonderful people, and I went to this minister's alliance group. And I thought, well, I get to know these pastors in town. And, and uh, what I didn't know is the house that we lived in um, was on a main street, and a lot of times homeless men and women would come knock on our door, ask for help. And sometimes it made me nervous. I had my, my, my young, beautiful wife, I had Haley, was a baby, and I wasn't home, and it made, kind of made me nervous. But I remember this one guy stopped by one time, and he, he asked, he goes, I need a bus ticket. And I, and I went and bought him a bus ticket, and so he could go. And somehow, I don't know how it got out, the, the word got out that I, did, that I did that. And I went to this minister's alliance meeting, and this minister took me offline, and he said, I, no joke, he said, what are you doing? I said, what? He said, I heard, I heard you, bought, uh, you bought some dude you don't know, like a bus ticket. And I said, uh, I did? And this is what he said to me. I'll never forget it. He goes, you'll never get that money back. I kid you not. And I'm, I'm young in the ministry. I, I'm going to be honest with you all. I felt shame. I had this one moment where my head was cloudy, and I was like, oh, you're not, I'm stupid. I guess I don't know what I'm doing. And by the time I drove home, my head cleared, and I thought to myself, well, I'm not doing it to get the money back. And I can remember, it was like a bolt of lightning. I don't know how God talks to you. That's how he talks to me. And I felt like God said, hey, hey, this is a moment of decision for you. You can be this guy. Or you can be receptive to what I ask you to do, and then you do it. You cho choose. I felt the Spirit of God say, you better choose wisely. See, that's, that's a struggle. It's the last category, isn't it? It's the Samaritan. Hey, it's the one who isn't even supposed to talk to Jewish people back in the day. And, and he lived by this ethic. Wherever there's a need, anyone I can help is my neighbor. And, and, and they live by this ethic. What's mine is God's. And I just manage it. There, there it is. I was thinking about this passage real quickly. And uh, 
I think the last time I preached the Good Samaritan, we were in the high school many, many years ago. And uh, some friends, Jose and Melinda Rodriguez, who are partners in our church, been in our church a long time, were friends of mine back in the day, of course. And, and I, I called them up. We were in the high school. There's only one way to get in the high school. Some of y'all remember it. And uh, I said, hey, I want you to do me a favor. I said, come over early. Uh, position your car just on the outside of the gate. Raise the hood. Act like you got car trouble. Let's see who stops. He's like, you want me to what? I said, just, just do it. And so he does it with Melinda. And, and, and some people stop. Not everybody stopped, but people stop. And then I said, and then when I get up to preach a sermon, I want you to just bust through the back door, walk down to the front aisle, and sit right next to where I sit. And y'all, they did that. You could just hear the mumble in the room. People were, there was weeping. There was gnashing of teeth. It's like this thing. And uh, they, were at, they were at nine. I asked him, I said, do you remember that? He goes, I, I do, I remember that. And uh, I kid you not, I'm driving to church this morning. I get to the intersection of Crestwood and Okeechobee, and there's a car that stopped. I kid you not. And I, and I was like, man, get that dude out of the way. I got to get to church. <laughs> I'm important. I got to preach the gospel. Get out of the way. You know? And then, I mean, I felt like, I started looking for the camera, like, all right, who's punkin? And I, 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 I rolled the window down and said, you need help? And the guy goes, it'd be nice. <laughs> I helped him. And I thought, Lord, Lord. I just felt like, I'm just checking on you, Dale. I'm just checking on you. the most dangerous thing in your house. Be careful. God doesn't want your compassion to just be an emotion. It's an action. Uh, It's the way you're created. Uh, science tells us that when we act in compassionate ways, our body releases endorphins that sort of just make us feel better. Isn't that interesting? It's almost like we're created for that. Last story, I was finishing up with my covenant group. Our biannual retreat was this past week. 30, 34 years. Accountability as brothers in Christ. And uh, we, we stayed at a Airbnb in Celebration, and so we were walking in downtown Celebration. I come around the corner, and there's this precious little girl there, and she's selling lemonade. And my girl sold lemonade. So, I mean, right away, I'm like, I'm, I'm buying lemonade. My guys are walking past pigs. <laughs> so get back here and get your wallet out. This girl's selling lemonade. And so we all ponied up, gave her lemonade. We all felt like a million bucks. It was the worst lemonade I've ever had. <laughs> but I, I thought about this weekend, and I thought, there's just there's something about that. Do you notice how the story ends? He answers the text question right, and Jesus says, 
Go and what? Do. Say it again. Go and do. Go and do. That's it. May you go and may you do. And when you do that, you remember you're participating in the reciprocal nature of God's kingdom. Lord, never let us forget. That's one of the most important lessons. Give us a fear, God, for the easy chair, the lazy boy. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. The Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, the God who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others with the comfort we find in Christ. God, make us your people that are compassionate and full of mercy, that we might be a witness to the world that points them clearly to who you are, the great Redeemer, the great Rescuer. We give you our praise. We give you our heart. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Go in His mercy, and we'll see you next weekend.